0: That is so important. There are currently 600 SPACs, more than 600 SPACs that are looking for companies to buy. And if you think about that, do you think right now there are 8,000 publicly traded companies in the United States? So, not an apples to oranges comparison. Do you think that there are 600 companies that are ready to go public right now?
1: I'm Chris Hill, and that was Motley Fool senior analyst Bill Mann. You remember the great SPAC boom of 2020 and 2021, right? Dylan Lewis and Bill Mann are taking a second look at what happened when more than $240 billion flowed into blank-check companies over a two-year period. And so far, most of them haven't really done so well. Out of nearly 200 companies that used a SPAC to go public last year, just 11% trade above their offering price. And some of the most talked about companies, including Nikola and Virgin Galactic, are down about 90% from their all-time highs. The guys break down the incentives that created the boom, the rare SPACs that are showing some promise, and one arbitrage opportunity investors might want to know about. We're checking in on
2: SPACs and trying to pull lessons from the past two years. Bill Mann, thanks for joining me to walk through it all. how are you? I'm doing all right. Um, perhaps not as good as the, the recent SPAC classes uh, are doing. Um, y- you've been investing a long time, Bill. You have seen the market through cycles, through crashes, through fads. If you could capture the roller coaster of SPACs over the past couple of years, how would you do it in a sentence or two?
0: Really, how I would do it is to say this, there ain't no such thing as a free launch. I mean, SPACs became spectacularly popular in 2020 and 2021. In 2020, there were 83 billion dollars worth of deals that were uh, that were launched through new SPACs. In 2021, that number was 161 billion. And you have to ask yourself why a formerly somewhat disreputable way of going public became so hot. And it is it's very rare, Dylan, that things like this happen in such volume if it is beneficial to the buyers of, you know, of, of these instruments. Now, we've always described SPACs as being little more than a bank account plus a promise. And what we found in 2022 is that that was exactly the case.
2: So I could ask you to explain a SPAC, but I think it would be more fun to roll some tape from our interview vault. I want to make sure we lay that context for for our listeners. Back in twenty twenty, you spoke with Chamath Palahapatiya, the CEO of Social Capital and the SPAC king. Here was his quick pitch on SPACs.
3: A SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. So what is it? It's basically a group of people. Um, the leader of that group of people is called the sponsor, but. So in my case, it's myself, and I have a handful of partners that I consistently work with in these things. And we file an S1 and go through a traditional IPO process, except that um, what we are describing in the S1 is essentially a company that has one asset, just money. It doesn't make a product. It doesn't sell anything. And then the purpose of that vehicle is in the business of finding another company to acquire. And so, you know, whereas Google's S1 would have described a search engine in the business of acquiring users and you know uh, providing them relevant information, et cetera, et cetera. Ours is a, is a shell company, a balance sheet of cash, which we then use to go and find a business that we think is really compelling and interesting. And we can describe that interest on many dimensions. It could be geographical. It could be about a specific vertical. And then we go and we buy that company. And when we do that, it's effectively a merger. And so for the company that we acquire, they go public by being acquired by us. And what it does is that it allows them to actually write an S-4 document together. And by writing an S-4 versus an S-1, we are covered under a different body of law, um, securities law that's enforceable by the SEC. And the major difference is there for the purposes of, of the viewers and the listeners is essentially that it allows you to talk about the future. And the reason why I think that single thing is such an important feature for SPACs and why SPACs are a really important part of building a modern portfolio is that in a world of zero rates, I would sort of put out there that everything is about the future and that you need to be really understanding the potential of a company's performance in 2023, 25, 27, 29, 2030 even, and that those future cash flows, especially for technology companies, are very poorly described by looking at the past. So 2016 through 2019 don't really mean much for 2025's earnings. That's not true for other businesses, but it is very true for tech businesses. And so the S4 process allows Vivek and Andrew, myself, the ability to really understand the business, underwrite the future for many years out, and then have a conversation with people who may potentially be interested in buying it about describing that future performance and then give folks the chance to buy.
2: So, Bill, as you mentioned, uh, SPACs absolutely surged in an incredible way. It, it almost defies hyperbole uh, the activity that we saw. Chamath was a big part of the reason why. He famously wanted to bring companies public from ticker IPO A to IPO Z, and was behind the debuts of Open Door, Virgin Galactic, Clover Health, and Sofi. How would you characterize, on your end, the appeal of SPACs? And What were your impressions as we saw this activity blossoming?
0: Internally, uh, I'd released a document in late 2020 basically saying that SPACs were there was really no functional difference between coming public through a SPAC and a traditional IPO that what we were just talking about was simply a new wrapper for the same purpose and also at the end of the day I really we caution people like it's really whenever you see something where something becomes as popular as this in any form of finance you need to be careful because SPACs ultimately they were a promise that was somewhat unfulfillable because, as Shamath Palahapatia said, one of the things that you get to do if you if you go public merging with a SPAC is you get to use an S four form instead of an S one. Now that sounds like government ease, but S one forms have a form to them uh, that's really important for investors, and it is this: you can't be too promotional about what you know what what your company is it is a it is a lot of what is whereas the form 4 the s4 is what do we think this company will be And there are reasons why you would really appreciate a Form Four in the hands of someone who is not promising the moon and the stars. Because obviously, whenever a company goes public, you're not buying it based on what it is. You're you're buying it based on whatever you think it will be. Maybe you could go farther to say that's true with any investment. So a form four s four seems like a really good idea. But, Dylan, what you had instead was five different electric vehicle companies coming public through SPACs, filing S-4s, and saying that they would, within five years, have $10 billion or more in revenues. That was was their projections. That has only happened once ever. With any company, and that company was Google. So, what ended up happening with S fours and and Chamath was he was right to a degree, but the lack of oversight and the lack of experience that investors had with SPACs to me was a it was 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 a real signpost that there were going to be some abuses coming down the pike.
2: Bill, do you think to some extent that's emblematic of? how much we were in a growth-on mindset over the last three to five years? Specs are generally priced at about $10, per, not about, exactly $10.
0: Per share when they were launched, and so when you had a SPAC before it met met a dance partner trading above ten dollars a share, you were literally saying, "Hey, that's a bank account there, and I would like to buy those dollars in that in that bank account at two to three times the price that I'm willing to pay." So I'm willing to pay you two dollars and fifty cents for each dollar in that bank account, and. To me, it just ultimately became a question of, does that actually make sense? And In in the main, the answer was no.
2: Yeah. I can see, though, why seeing these valuations in the private markets because of how active um, we've seen the private markets over the last decade, you would look at that and say, I have seen these businesses swell to valuations in the tens of billions of dollars. This vehicle is letting me Hopefully, get in on businesses that I otherwise wouldn't necessarily be able to, um, and be alongside some pretty well-heeled investors. Right,
0: and it's not the dumbest theory in the world, right? If you're talking about a pre a, a a pre-merger SPAC, you are in fact talking about getting in on something before it becomes public. But Dylan, the the challenge became this: the reason why SPACs became popular from the other side of the you know from the from the other side of the ledger is that so many so many insiders watch their companies come public through a traditional IPO and they would leave lots of money on the table in the form of the IPO pop you know so you've got a company that comes public at twenty dollars a share and it immediately once it hits the open market moves up to fifty dollars a share that means that's thirty dollars per share Share that has been offered of money that is going to someone other than the company itself or the selling insiders and that's that's in fact a problem and it's part of the you know and it's part of the the gamesmanship if you will of the IPO process but that does not mean that a SPAC is necessarily a better way for the outsider to move to the inside because at the same time the reason that SPACs were coming were coming along and became popular was that the insiders were trying to prevent the outsiders from ending up with all of the money from the event of going public.
2: So I'm sure a lot of those outsiders, and and we're generally talking here about the retail investors uh, that that wound up buying these shares, um, are not particularly thrilled at the way that this class has performed. Um, They are, in a lot of ways, the growthiest of growth stocks. and We know that that category has been absolutely punished recently. When you look at the growth of this space over the last couple of years, who were the winners? The insiders who actually took companies public
0: were were, were the winners because they were able to, in some cases, there were some really abusive cases where you would see the Promoters bringing, let's just name a number, which sounds both low and high at the same time, fifty thousand dollars to the table, and because of the incentive structure that was placed on the SPACs, they would end up with millions of dollars of shares of a company at once. The company, once the SPAC merged in with a company. It happened over and over and over again. So at that point, when you start with fifty thousand dollars and you end up with millions of dollars worth of shares, do you care that the stock drops that much? Like you don't. You have absolutely, positively won. So the insiders won in a great deal. In a great deal of 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 the situations, there have been some companies that have done okay post SPAC. I mean, there it is it's not a segment of the market. I don't even think of it. You used the term asset class earlier, and I would disagree that it's actually an asset class. It's just a strategy. It's a strategy that tended to to let you up off the mat in this in, in, in this description. Um, it tended to attract growth companies that wanted to go public, but SPACs themselves, I mean you could you, you could end up putting anything into that vehicle and it would have been okay.
2: I'll use bucket next. Time thank today. you, thank that? you, thank you. I
0: don't ask for much here, Dylan. I want, <laughs> I want our nomenclature to be proper. No, I mean it's it, it's it's a reasonable way to describe it. I just don't happen to think that that I mean spacs spacs. You could probably call an asset class before they find a merger partner because they're they are as I described earlier, just bank accounts looking for a home.
2: And actually, those high level numbers we hit before were referring to. Those spacs overall, yeah. not necessarily those who have found dancing partners. Right. And I want to kind of talk about the, the the other side of this. So we we kind of were talking through, okay, the performance of companies that came public this way, and it's been fairly disappointing. Some of that is market conditions, and some of that's just the reality of you know how forward looking a lot of those companies were. There's another piece to this though, where there were spacs that were created that have not yet found their dancing partner. And that means that there's cash that's available in the market here. Bill, what do you make of that?
0: That is so important. There are currently 600 SPACs, more than 600 SPACs, that are looking for companies to buy. And if you think about that, do you think right now there are 8,000 publicly traded companies in the United States? So, not an apples to oranges comparison. Do you think that there are 600 companies that are ready to go public right now? I mean, the answer is yeah, you're shaking your head, which is great radio. Great radio. There, I know. Well, I didn't want to cut you off there, but yeah, I
2: mean, like, just think about think about the, the sheer percentages of that. Right, right? Six hundred right. over eight. Right, exactly. 000. I mean,
0: fifteen percent of the publicly traded market is currently in the form of SPACs that have not found a merger partner. Now, the reason why that's important is that SPACs generally uh, are given a two-year period uh, in which to find. A merger partner, or one of two things have to happen: either the members of the SPAC, the owners of the SPAC, have to vote to extend that period of time, or they've got to give the capital back. And when they give the capital back, they give it back at ten dollars per share. So there's some interesting opportunities out there right now in in arbitrage. Where there are SPACs that are coming close to the end of their uh, of their period that are trading below ten dollars a share, and you know, again, the efficient market theorist in me says, well, that shouldn't make sense, but there's always the risk that that uh, their period of time will be extended to find a to, to find a merger partner.
2: So we've been in a space recently where you know growth stocks in the public trade markets have been absolutely walloped. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have as much insight into the valuations of private companies. They're not something that gets updated you know by the minute or by the day. But there's a part of me that thinks we've seen growth stocks get hit hard. We know that there are some high growth private companies out there that are probably going to have their valuations reflect what's going on in the public markets at some point. There's some cash here on the sidelines with these specs. Does that create an interesting acquisition opportunity? Do you think there's going to be a little bit of bump in activity because of these compressed valuations?
0: You know, that's that's definitely possible. And you were exactly right and I very artfully dodged the question when you were talking about the private market valuations perhaps being at least uh, exp- and an explanatory reason why SPACs became so popular. We are now seeing companies uh, that are having to have down rounds that are still private, and I think that that is. Uh, I think that you're probably going to be seeing companies that have been valued at the private on a private market basis. And let's let's be frank about this: private market valuation is in some ways. They're made up numbers, right? That's 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 essentially like you being in eleventh grade uh, calculus class and teacher saying, "Dylan, how do you think you did?" And you're like, "Ah, "I think I got an A." Bill, I think I got an A. I think I got an A. I think my company is worth fifty billion dollars, even though it doesn't make a penny. So some of that is, uh, you know, they're they're creating their own momentum around around these private valuations, but. With these venture capitalists, they do want an exit event, and there are, as you mentioned, ready buyers in the form of SPAC companies that are looking for merger partners. So I think maybe you might actually see some more activity. It's not going to be on the same frothy level as you know when Nikola came public through a SPAC in the middle of 2020, and it was as if. The stock price had been shot out of a gun. I mean, it just rocketed higher, even though you know they had barely any revenues at that point.
2: I do wonder what the quality of businesses would look like that would come public that way. Because one of the concerns that I had in, in looking at SPACs in general over the last couple of years was these are not going through our traditional IPO pipelines. Um, what does that say about the businesses that will be coming public? I think. We've kind of seen a range of answers on that over the last couple of years. Yeah,
0: I mean there are two there, there. There are two answers there. One is again when we talked about the uh, the 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 S four. Let's call it the SEC forum arbitrage. Just to be really really fancy about it, you know the companies that were able to come out and promise the moon and they didn't have anything. So there are really two ways that you can think about SPAC, going public through a SPAC versus going public through an IPO. There were companies that didn't want to go public through a. Traditional IPO, with as you describe that uh, that period of time in which the investment bankers come in and actually do analysis to uh, to put a valuation on the company, there are other ones that probably couldn't go through a traditional IPO, where the route, the easiest route to the market was going to be find find a single. Uh, credible SPAC and merge in with it, and next thing you know, you're publicly traded. I think ultimately, because of the volume of SPACs that were launched in 2020 and 2021, as I mentioned earlier, there are still 600 that are out there that have not consummated merger partners. That. There was a lot more of the latter of the type that just used this as an opportunity to go public without having to go through that scrutiny than there were high quality companies that went this route because they thought they would end up with more uh, of the money uh, in you know in the coffers of the company than through a traditional IPO.
2: In researching the show, I, I thought it was interesting. We we tend to look at SPACs and say this was a Two ish year phenomenon that just happened. If you zoom out a little bit, we saw a growing SPAC activity in the mid 2000s, and yeah. it was basically ended by the great financial crisis. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying in any way that SPACs are a leading indicator of downturns or recessions or anything like that, but I do think that there's something interesting there about the activity and the deals you are more likely to see at various points in market cycles.
0: You said it earlier and I love that point. Now the number of SPACs that came, that that happened in 2007 was a tiny fraction of what happened in 2020 and 2021, but you're exactly right. When the, when 2008 hit, that activity dried up entirely. Just poof went away. And I think that I I think that I wouldn't describe SPAC activity as a leading indicator, but I would pay more attention in the future about what types of companies are coming public this way. Because if they are getting credibility by virtue of going public through a SPAC, it really may be a sign, as you said, that you know that we are a, in a growth on and a risk off environment and investors are just simply not considering the downside of certain vehicles as much they should because i think that it is absolutely the case that when companies go public through a SPAC your number one question ought to be
2: why So we've talked about the incentives. I think that's a great lesson there on the why and what is the reason that this company is coming public this way. Um, Are there any other lessons you see with this, Bill?
0: You know, I think ultimately, whenever you see so much activity in any segment of the market happening all at once, you you immediately need to grab your wallet. There was a sense to me in 2020 that the SPAC rise was coming alongside with uh, investors giving way too much credibility to companies that did not yet deserve it. And Whenever you see that much activity in a segment of the market that prior to that had not seen that much interest, you really have to be a little bit cautious that maybe the ultimate goal is to separate you from your money, not giving you an opportunity to invest in this new new thing.
2: So that we're not ending on a total downer. I do want to see know, if there's I'm some sorry. some shining light here, Bill, <laughs> for us. So at core the idea with SPACs is we are looking for futuristic businesses that, especially in Schamat's case, are exploring where the world is going exploring solutions for where the world's heading and some of the major problems facing it, that's something that we as Foolish investors can very easily get behind. We're looking for those five, 10-year roadmaps for companies. This is a space that has been hit hard, but are there businesses that came public by way of SPAC that you still think people should be paying attention to um, and shouldn't be writing off just because the category has had a hard time? Certainly. I would say
0: that maybe at the top of the list is, is actually Lucid, which is an electric vehicle Company, uh, they've just come out with their first with with their first ultra luxury cars, um, and that's that spec has actually done quite well. Um, Quantum Scape is another one. It's a you know it's it, it it's it's a um, it's a battery company with uh, electric vehicle um, potential. Uts, you know, Uts. Let's go from. <laughs> The consumer packaging, <laughs> the good company, consumer packaging company, yes, the best potato chips on earth. That was a SPAC. It came public through a SPAC. So there are plenty that are out there, and and yes, because I don't want us to be super dour at this point. I do think that it really is important to mention, again, that SPACs are just a method to go public. and It's not so much that they are illegal, immoral, or fattening, or bad to your health. It's just simply when so many happened at once, and there was so much interest at the same time, it almost could not have ended other any other way than the way it ended with a bunch of SPACs finding marginal companies and other SPACs not finding companies to merge with at all.
1: As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill, thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.